Record Edit Podcast has been an idea in my head for three years now. It's basically been there since the beginning. And it's been super fun to have an outlet to pour all that experience into to really help people on a, on a broader level. And it's super fun to, to take a step back and really examine my work and figure out how to distill that down into actionable steps for people to follow. I just want to help people get the most professional results possible in the least amount of time. Welcome to Between Two Mics. I'm Zach. And I'm Rock. We're the co-founders of Squadcast.fm. The best way to record remote interviews in studio quality like this one. Here on Between Two Mics, we explore the challenges, opportunities, and new ideas with the people who are pushing the limits of what's possible in podcasting. All right. Hello. Thanks for listening to Between Two Mics. We are joined today by a strapping young lad by the name of Bradley Denham. He's a uh, professional podcast producer at Cast Media, and he's also working on his own project to help everyday podcasting folks. That's really interesting. So before we get into it, Brad, thanks for for joining us. Glad you're here. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going awesome, man. So, you know, before we dive into, you know, your your life as uh, a podcast producer at Cast and what you're doing with Record Edit Podcast, which is your own personal project, uh, you know, I, I think your backstory is very interesting as well. You come from a, a small town, right? Yeah. Uh, Covington, Indiana. That's what it's Covington, called. Indiana. Yeah. And it was, I, th- I think it's cool about you how, you know, you embrace that small town uh, aspect, but now you're living in LA. So how was that? How was that change for you, man? I mean, that's uh, shows a lot of commitment to make that change. Well, you go from a town of, I think 2000 people to now 2000 people on the two blocks. And it's been, it's been quite the transition. And, uh, podcasting has been the thing that, that took me from there to here. And it's been, it's been a wild ride all the way in between. And it just continues to evolve into this big ever changing thing as the industry continues to grow. Yeah, I think at at any point in that journey, I mean, it's a very impressive journey from you know the where you come from to where you're at now, and I'm sure you're you're just getting started, you know. So um, there's a lot to look forward to, but uh, every one of those steps in in your evolution uh, to along this journey has been um, has been inspiring. So I think like there's some there's multiple chapters uh, along this journey. So I know you're. Um, you're you're kind of a student of the internet, as am I, and and um, as as is Rock. You know this this just in time learning, having all this knowledge at our fingertips, and um, so you uh, you opted uh, you opted out of college and and into self education. So like, how did podcasting fit into that? Well, it didn't start out as podcasting. It started out in music. I thought I wanted to be a music producer, and growing up. Um, growing up in a small town, I would do farm work for money because, um, I never really had a dependable vehicle to really go to, a actual job while I was still in high school. And so what I would do is I had this neighbor, his name's Ray Bob. He lived down the corner from me and he owned a, a big farm and did woodwork. And I, I was just basically 
more or less his assistant and would help him with whatever he had to do that day or that weekend or whatever. And the whole time I'd just save up money, save up money and eventually put together a home studio. And I always, I, I grew up in a musical family. My dad played guitar and had all these guitar playing friends and, uh, his friends had kids, his kids were my friends, and everyone was very musically influenced. So I was like, okay, um, let's record bands. Because like one of my friends growing up had a band, and uh, I built out this home studio, put it together basically in our kitchen. I remember at one point we took the kitchen table out because I was doing so much drum recording that we just needed a space to set up all the drums. But uh, like that obviously didn't pan out. Somehow I, I found podcasting and have become this podcast producer in Hollywood, which I had never thought possible for multiple reasons. Like I never thought that I would be that kind of person, nor did I think this industry really had it in itself, but it does. And I'm super excited to see how the podcast industry grows in the future. It's, it's quite a transition, man. I mean, like, uh, I know we have a lot of friends who are similar background in, who are now in, you know, uh, heavy, heavy hitters in podcasting, uh, like our, our mentor, Harry Duran, right? He's DJ and did a bunch of stuff. Amani Roberts is currently still a DJ and teaches other people to DJ, but he does, you know, podcasting professionally at a high level and all of that. Well, even so, Colin. The yep. founder yeah. of the uh, cast. I mean, he got he was started in music too. So it definitely seems like a pretty common national or uh, natural progression. Uh, but that's cool that it was in your family. So what did your dad say when when you put away the guitar and and uh, pulled out the the microphone for <laughs> podcasting? Well, honestly, he still hasn't listened to the show yet. But he always thought it was really cool that. I was able to kind of strike my own path and make a small income just out of like a spare bedroom we had. And he'd never, even to this day, he still doesn't quite understand it, but he always supported it. But he's the type of guy that's like music do or die. And I sort of lost the, the fire for it. Like I, I, I don't, I shouldn't say I lost it. I transferred that energy. Like, mm -hmm. mm. I think looking back, I think what I was doing and what I continue to do is just leverage whatever situation I'm in to create the best possible opportunity for myself and everyone around me. And at the time when I was living with my dad, that was music because I was surrounded by all these musicians. I played a little bit of guitar and bass and keyboards myself, but I was never that good. But I was, I was always fascinated by the technical aspects of it. So I bought the equipment, learned how to use it. Like, again, I still wasn't that good, but it was, it was enough to, to get that ball rolling. And I just learned from YouTube. Finally, I graduated and I was left with this feeling of now what? It's like, I knew that at the end of this summer break, that, that it wasn't really a break. And I took some time to just relax and think about next steps. And I honestly believed that music was going to be the thing. And I remember uh, doing my best to pull together my own band 
And I ended up finding a guy that went to a, a different school from me. And I'd actually messaged him the year prior, and he totally ignored me and said that, oh, I'm going to be focusing on college and whatever. And then I remember after we graduated, maybe six months down the line, I remember hitting him up again, like, hey, if you still want to make a record together, like, I'm down. And we worked together on this project called The Paper Planes. And it was this, like, indie pop rock band that was, like, band quotations because it was just me and him. Like, he would write the lyrics and sing. I was doing all the uh, instrumentals and uh, the production stuff. So we were very much discovering it as we went along. But with that came a lot of friction and frustration because we would spend, like, literally a week tracking, uh, like, one song. And then I would sit down to edit and mix and I would put all of my energy into this thing and it, it wouldn't even remotely measure up to like a professional record, nor should it really because it was just this like $1,500 home studio built by hay bales and, and kitchen cabinets. And I was, I was just learning as I went on YouTube, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It taught a lot of good lessons that came in handy later when I moved into uh, podcast production. But the way that transition occurred was we had spent all that summer putting together our record. But it just kind of fizzled out. Like I, I would hit him up over and over and over again. Like, hey, man, let's, let's go play some shows, blah, blah, blah. And like I was really trying to, to make this band a thing. And honestly, it, it was never going to be a thing. But it, it led me to something else. It's like, okay, well, if I can't make an income playing shows, how can I take the skills that I learned creating this thing to help other people? And from that, I went to uh, sites like Upwork and Freelancer and uh, Fiverr and stuff like that and began pitching my services as a music producer. And it all really came down to two jobs. One job um, was to put together a Christmas song for a woman in Armenia in January, which is very weird, but uh, that, that paid $100. And then nice. the other job was to put together a podcast intro. And that job also paid $100. The Christmas song took me 10 to 12 hours to complete and the podcast intro took me one hour to complete and here i am a kid in the smallest of the small town midwest doing farm work for like ten dollars an hour and realizing that hey i just made a hundred dollars an hour out of my bedroom essentially on top of that i was learning everything i could about music production but coming back going back to those two jobs like it was obviously a no-brainer to pick podcasts and i knew what podcasts were i would listen to them but i i something switched in that moment that's like okay the audio skills you learned creating music can directly be applied to podcasts like you're listening to all these shows and from that day on out i just started hearing how I can improve, how I can improve those shows. And it was a very easy, easy like sell because podcasts are free to download by anyone. 
So I remember when I first, first got started, I would just comb through iTunes, downloading all the small shows that would interest me. Like I knew that, that the top dogs were basically untouchable, but anything that's like tangential and related and had like only a few reviews on iTunes, it's like, okay, I might stand a chance if I reach out to these people. I just remember downloading all of these episodes and then like an audition, I'd be looking at it and be like, whoa, this is actually like really quiet. This is really uneven. It's like, okay, so this this show just needs like some compression and it needs to be bumped up in volume. And I remember that also led to the YouTube rabbit hole of like, okay, so how do you how do you mix dialogue? What's the broadcast standard of volume for podcasts? And I just remember uh, looking all this stuff up and creating these before and after clips. And I would intentionally make it short, like 30 seconds to a minute. Half of it is the, the client's before. The other half is my after, strictly from the downloaded MP3, which obviously isn't an ideal format to work with, but it's enough yeah, to get your source. point across. It's enough to get your point across. And totally. I remember taking that and just like emailing show after show after show. And that's actually how I got my first real client was just through cold pitching the shows on iTunes. And even my job at Cast Media <laughs> just came through cold pitching a show on iTunes. And it's just, it's been this wild ride of just deciding that you want something and then just like pouring all of your energy into going after it. And you do it enough times, I guess it works. <laughs> That's an incredible story, man. And and thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, when I was 17, 18, I felt very similar to you. Like I didn't want to do college and, and didn't, I felt out of place there. Didn't feel like I had any direction, but unlike you, I gave in and was thinking, you know, the, I, I, the only way I'm going to, be anything in this world is to do that. I didn't, it took me a, a, a little bit longer to mature and to start to believe in myself a lot more and to really take those kind of leaps. So, um, that's very impressive that, you know, you've done that. Has your mind always kind of worked in this way though, that you just kind of have been able to navigate, um, you know, cause I mean, for me, it's just had to come with, with, uh, with age and wisdom and stuff like that, like how to, you know, think more clearly or, or uh, critically or whatever, but, uh, you know, you didn't go to college, you know, so maybe, maybe that's the right thing, but, uh, is, is that just always how your mind has worked? Honestly, um, honestly, it came from necessity. Like I, I essentially grew up in poverty. Like I, I lived with a disabled dad and disability doesn't pay that much. So, uh, I, from a very young age, I've always had to have like, make it work like a make it work mentality because that's all I had and like the the choice of not going to college wasn't necessarily because I didn't want to go like I I don't want to go because I, I've read some books and and just like have seen what it's done but I just that option wasn't there like yeah there could have been like student aid and stuff like that but I'd still be stuck with a bill at the at the end of it all and yeah. Debt, debt just isn't a good thing unless if you're leveraging it for investments or something like that. But in this case, it's like, why, why should I go to college and rack up all this debt that's going to take me 10, 20, 30 years to pay off 
And by the end of it all, I just have a job to show for it. And it's not like a real estate portfolio or anything like that that like massively pays you back. This is just something that barely pays you back. Yeah, just to get started. Yeah, just to get started too. And then and then I see my friends that have already graduated. Like I've always been friends with people older than me. Like I'm I'm 22 years old right now, and the majority of my friends are 30 plus. And like my mentor was a 70 year old man. It's like like I've always leaned on the wisdom of those older than me because I, I've always had this self awareness that like I am young and ignorant and I need to just soak up all I can from these people older than me. And the through line that I've noticed, even from the like being a freshman in high school, the seniors that graduated and by the time I was a senior, like those kids were already done with college almost. And they're complaining about how they had all this debt, couldn't really find jobs, were forced to get entry level jobs anyway. So it's like, I, I didn't feel like I had anything to lose by opting out. Um, I guess it paid off. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you came, um, you know, what stuck out to me is you, is, is that, you know, removing your own ego. And like you said, you know, your own your own kind of position and being being aware of that. And then and then listening, listening to the people around you, consuming all this content um, for for the better and and going looking for it you know a lot of people are just like oh there's no college around me or whatever but it's like yeah you have access to to the internet you have access to the world's information for the first time ever and leveraging that i think that's i think i think a logical step jump to make but i don't think everybody makes that that logical jump and um I, i wish more people you know i hope more people listen to your story and are inspired by that the the coming with value first and doing doing those you know uh 30 second uh improvements clips to to people do you have a name for the for those uh i just call them before and after clips before and after yeah (laughs) cool i think that's that's another one of those logical jumps that i don't i don't think everybody would make to say okay well you know i don't have the source files for this audio but i can still improve it and i can still you know come with uh come do some do some work in advance of even talking to this person, you know, and, and get noticed and, and get, get a conversation started at a minimum. So I, I guess, um, that is, that is very, um, inspiring to me as well that you would, you would take that first step. And, uh, you, it sounds like you've done a lot of those before, um, before it started to, to kind of, uh, get some attention. So you, um, I imagine what you, you hit up Colin or somebody at, at cast media. And then they were like, this sounds good, Brad, come out to LA and we're going to, you know, rule the world together. What, how'd that story go? There was a bit of a process to that because going back to that mindset, I was very music focused and Colin having a music background, he also felt similarly too in that, like he wanted to make music work. And with that, he had a podcast called the, uh, the modern musician and going back to the cold pitching shows, uh, relative to my interests, on iTunes, like I was looking at the music shows and I was just going down that list. And I remember I found his show. I'm like, oh, this is cool. It's like a, a show for musicians and how they can make a living. And it's like, okay, I would listen to the show. So I'm just like clicking through the episodes, listening to little chunks and just skipping around. And I actually didn't notice this until like I was halfway down the list that like the newest episode it was like, oh, why why I stopped the show or something. And I remember mm-hmm. listening to that, and I was like, wait, what? 
I actually really like this. I wanted to work with this guy. And I remember listening to that, and he said uh, more or less that like he had to stop the show because he's been building uh, a production agency. And I remember I, I had talked to Colin a couple months prior, and it's like, okay, I'm going to follow back up with this guy. Maybe something changed. Or I'm just going to continue to harass him until I get a no. <laughs> and uh, so, so I email him and eventually convince him to give me something to work on to prove my worth. And uh, he gave me like a trailer or something to do. I did that. And then the rest is really history. I, kn I know sort of my big break with cast initially was the Ty Lopez show. Like I had come on and just, just in time to where Ty was doing three weekly shows so like legit seven days a week three shows uh it was the the ty lopez show which is the main show then there was like the bitcoin crypto mastermind and then like the real estate mastermind but the dude was producing three shows daily lots of content lots yeah. of content and next thing i know i'm making like $1,500 a month off of cast plus the other 500 of my own clients. I'm like, okay, well I'm paying bills now. Cause like I'm still in the Midwest and that's like a decent starting salary essentially. And it's like, okay, this is really cool because now I can just wake up whenever I want I work late at night and just do whatever during the day. And it's like, Whoa, this is really cool. I can't believe this worked. Like it was either like live a life of mediocrity or just fucking go for it. And I went for it. <laughs> well, that's a good thing you did, man. And it's a great story about, uh, you know, an amazing story about persistence. And I think even Colin has a, a medium post that hit home for me about making people say no. And just like, it's okay to like keep following up, but just like make them tell you no, you know, right. and then that's when, that's when it's time to stop. But for our listeners that don't know, I mean, cast media and Colin specifically has held a special place in our heart. I believe he was the first person in podcasting that we met uh, outside of our local area when we first debuted at podcast movement in Anaheim. And so, you know, it's been awesome seeing where they were cause they were much smaller then. And I don't even think you were on the team then to where they're at now. But could you help our listeners understand what Cast Media does and then what you specifically do there? I truly believe, and this is slightly biased since I work here, is that it is the leading network in multi-channel podcasting. So we are based in the heart of Hollywood. We work with a lot of uh, celebrities and influencers. But what's cool and unique about them is the multi-channel aspect. And when I say multi-channel, it's... Like, they're doing video as well as audio, whereas in the past, most podcasts have strictly been audio-based. But we're bringing a fresh new angle to the industry, and we're, we're seeing a lot of people follow along as well. Um, as for my role here, it's sort of twofold. I'm technically the head of audio productions, and I'm one of the leading producers uh, for shows like On Purpose with Jay Shetty, Impulsive with Logan Paul, The Art of Charm, and a few more. Um, but it's it's been a wild ride because we didn't always work with those kind of people. And I think a lot of it is just came from being really good at what we do. And I'm super excited for the growth of the company. Diving a little bit deeper into what I do specifically, I, I basically am 
the lead guy around each of those projects. So I'm in charge of like not only making show that making sure that the shows are produced to their highest quality and the episodes go out on time. I'm also interfacing with the talent and like managing the teams uh, behind them when it comes to production and, and uh, also like making sure that the ad reads are all like read properly and go out on time and, and doing like reports and stuff on the back end. So it's a very, very 360 role. Imagine like being a podcaster, but not being the host and just, just still doing all the back end processes. That's essentially what my role as a producer is. That would be incredible if you were just like, ah, I'm the awesome, you know, I'm the head of production, a cast and in LA and all this stuff, uh, living the dream. Uh, but you have ambitions beyond that and are thinking bigger than, um, than just, just you or, or just the clients at cast you, you want, uh, you are taking your knowledge from working with these professionals and at this very high level. And, uh, and you are kind of opening that knowledge up and, uh, being, being very, very, uh, supportive of the broader podcast community by, by, uh, extending that knowledge out with your, uh, with your effort, um, record, edit podcast. And, uh, can you, um, can you break down kind of how, how that transition happened? You know, you're, you're still doing your thing at cast and probably higher and higher levels there. Um, but, but you, you have your own venture, uh, in addition to that. So how, how do you think about record edit podcast? Record edit podcast has been an idea in my head for three years now. It, it's basically been, it's basically been there since the beginning because, uh, I, I consumed a lot of Pat Flynn's content and uh, became obsessed with this idea of passive income. But the thing about working a job or with clients is that's considered active income. So mm -hmm. your time is only ever as valuable as X amount of hours you can work at X rate. I've always wanted to create some kind of info product and, and create uh, that source of revenue. But back Back in those days where when I just got started, honestly, I didn't have the experience then. Like I, I would have liked to have think I did, but I didn't. Some people I think fall into that trap. So I think that's some wisdom there that you were like, oh, I gotta I gotta get some some notches in my belt before I can uh can go and like start to give advice to other people. Right. And I I'm super glad I did too, because I think it would have damaged my credibility had I been this nobody building this thing, pretending like I'm an expert. Like I might have been good, but I just didn't have that uh, like social validation to back me up. And now that I do and have literally been working in this industry for almost three years now, seven days a week, essentially, whether it's for cast or side clients or for, for myself, like I am all in on podcasting. And it's been super fun to have an outlet to pour all that experience into to really help people on a, on a broader level. And that's where I think Record Edit Podcast is different because I am so industry first. Like I, I honestly work with clients every single day. It's not like I have a show that, that is successful in its own right and that I'm creating a course based on uh, how I produce my my show as a business person, like I'm not I'm not a business person first. Like I don't know, I don't even know how to handle my finances on that side yet. And 
You got time for that. <laughs> yeah, until the IRS comes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's been a unique experience because I am I'm so industry first that I just have been forced to learn how to do things in the most efficient and professional manners possible because that's the sort of quality that these high-level clients demand. And it's super fun to, to take a step back and really examine my work and figure out how to distill that down into actionable steps for people to follow. Because another th problem I have with a lot of online courses is just how fluffy they are. Like, why, why are you sitting there talking in front of a camera for 30 minutes on something that you can, like, do a screen cap of, break down each step, and then narrate very succinctly what you're doing each step to get that result? And like it, I love that. It never made sense to me where these people are selling like, oh, a hundred hours of content, and it's like, it's a hundred hours of content for like a two-hour job. Do you have a hundred hours to consume this content? I think you know. I think having that that filter and appreciation for for people is being built into your course. Really, you know, speaks a lot to your character. Yeah, I, I just want to help people get the most professional results possible in the least amount of time. No, it doesn't, doesn't get in the way of you, you know, telling your stories and, and speaking into this, you know, piece of metal or whatever and, <laughs> yeah. and getting it out there for people to listen to it. It's just like, yeah, there's all these made up barriers where it's like, Oh, I don't have the prerequisite knowledge or whatever. And it's just like, you, you can, you can go deeper always, but you know, there is uh there is, some some core knowledge that you should probably start with and then you could get started as quickly as possible part of me does understand a little bit of it though uh, from like the the consumer standpoint where if if you're presented with more content you assume that's better because i remember when i was in that phase of my life where i was just learning to be learning like it was great to sit down in front of a three-hour lecture but looking back at that now what a waste of time because like i don't I don't remember it. Like I remember, I honestly, I don't even remember the example I'm thinking of, but I know I did it. It was probably like a Berkeley or Stanford thing. And it's just like, okay, this is really cool. And I felt really smart, but am I using any of that now? No. <laughs> I think the, uh, that, that overload content approach works for some, uh, but it's a, that's a heavy burden to keep up with too. So yeah. I personally wouldn't want to have that on my plate, but uh, I get why other people do as well. So, I mean, um, but Brad, what do you, what do you commonly uh, find yourself telling these everyday podcasters that you have picked up from working, uh, you know, with these other, you know, high, more high profile shows? That the quality that we get at a high level isn't like it's unobtainable to the everyday guy because literally it comes down to two things like i'm looking at zach right now rock you're using the same mic too two things yes a dynamic microphone some sort of headphones literally you're you will sound good in 80 to 90 percent of situations if you are using a dynamic microphone and a pair of headphones earbuds whatever anything but a speaker yeah. Yeah. No, we, we completely agree. And I think that's, you know, the, the message and we just had uh, our friend Evo Terra and, you know, uh, we've talked about it with you in the past, like 
this this idea, this message he's been putting out in the world of you know making podcasting better, not just easier. That doesn't mean it needs to be more expensive or more complicated or more hardware on your desk or you know any of those things. It, there there are things that simple things that we can do, free things, cheap things that we can do uh, to to be better. Um, and uh, I think that's that's a that's a great uh, you know. It shows to me that that podcasting is evolving and kind of growing up, and there's there's multiple people who are, you know, uh, putting this message out there for the love of God. Wear headphones, and <laughs> you know, you don't need to get some crazy, some crazy yeah. microphone to uh, to sound like you're you're on a, a like a guest on NPR or something like that, or or the Ty Lopez show. You know, they sound great um, and they look great. So I think it's very inspiring work that you're doing, and uh, and podcasters you know if you're for looking for a course brad's your guy i have to say like like i just want to dive into this really quick and provide like a blueprint because even the microphones you guys are using now i wrote a blog post i feel like i should give more context to the to the blogs i write because the one that i'm going to touch on now the 500 hundred dollar podcast studio um like literally you guys are using the most versatile high quality mic and podcasting right now the the audio technica atr 2100 takes usb and xlr it's a dynamic microphone so it's going to cut out most of your room tone and what's cool about that is if you pair that up with something like a zoom uh, h4n like the two channel one now not only do you have the versatility of a usb and an xlr combo you're also able to record both mics in the same room in any room you can take that thing easily anywhere, and it's not as chunky as like an audio interface. Um, it even takes, but batteries. you can use it as an interface if you are if you are stationary. Yeah, totally. that's a very flexible, very flexible setup. Yeah, and you can do anything with that setup. And if you're just gonna do remote, uh, remote podcasts, you can. The barrier is even lower. Just get one of those mics, plug it into your computer, you're done. Like there's no, like rock is literally sitting up against the wall right now and sounds great because he's using the right microphone for his environment. And it's literally that simple. This is between two mics, not behind the mic. <laughs> so you're giving away my secrets, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a, a really great conversation. I think, uh, you know, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge, uh, that you've earned and, and grown to this point and uh and are turning it around and empowering others so that is uh definitely very uh very helpful to move podcasting and our medium forward and i just want to thank you again for coming on the show brad thank you guys it's been fun this has been another episode of between two mics with zach and rock from squadcast the best way to record remote podcast interviews like today's in studio quality Visit bit.ly squadpod to check out our resources page where you can download your free remote interview checklist.